Hey everyone, we are talking with Carrie Kane. Carrie is a 30-year friend of Mark Seavers, and she is explaining how Mark behaved after the funeral. It is such a bizarre story, but you know what? It gets even more bizarre. Also joining us and uh, helping us with the interview is the woman that has been with the case on Web Sleuths since day one, and she knows it inside and out, and that is our administrator, Beach. Carrie, let me ask you, so now you've left the house with all that bizarre behavior from Mark. You're back home. It doesn't end there. What, what happens next? So um, on my plane ride home, I started taking notes of things that I noticed uh, just because I didn't want to forget. Um, And I just kept a notepad uh, at the house that I put some things in and I kind of put it away because once I flew back to Missouri, I pushed it out of my mind and just told myself it's impossible. He's not involved. You're being crazy. Don't think like this. And... um, He gave me a couple other scenarios to focus on and think about, and I thought, yeah, you know, those scenarios, that that could be it. I wanted to believe that there was another um, person that did this, not him. I could not even fathom that he would be involved. And so it was approximately 10 days later, I don't know the exact time frame, uh, that I get a call from Mark. And he basically tells me that the police came and busted down Wayne's door in Missouri and took him in and held him for questioning for a day. And he said, his exact words were, this is ridiculous. They have nothing. They have nothing. And I thought that was really odd. Um, And I said, Wayne, they busted down Wayne's door? And he said, yeah. And so... I talked to my husband when I got off the phone with Mark and said, told him what happened. He said, Carrie, you have got to know that they don't come all the way from Florida and break down somebody's door if they don't have anything. He has to be involved. And with that, I started really reflecting back on my time in Florida, and I really started coming to grips that there is a possibility that Mark would be involved. But after that, I was still communicating a bit with Wayne, and Wayne was Mm -hmm. asking me why the police would want to talk to him and question him when he was in Florida, but I, too, was also in Florida, and they're not questioning me. He said, "Why, why aren't they talking to you? He said, you were in Florida like I was. I said, I have no idea. Maybe, Maybe they will talk to me. I don't know. At this point, nobody was talking to me. Um, so we had a few conversations and he said some things that they asked him. Um, but it was four weeks to the day of her murder. It was a Sunday and I had had a phone conversation with Mark that he basically was telling me that the tips were dwindling. It's not looking like it's going to be solved. He was telling me, you know, usually it's the first 48 hours that crimes are solved. And it was the way that he was saying it. It was as if he was saying it to almost convince himself or to reassure himself. And that mm-hmm. that was the last straw for me. And I found Crime Stoppers online and started submitting tips. And that was four weeks to the day of her murder. I know at one point 
um, Wayne contacted you and he wanted to meet with you. Was that yes. before you started um, so, posting on Crime Stoppers? Or? So after I contacted Crime Stoppers, I was still communicating with Wayne. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, a, I think it was a Thursday evening that he had sent me a message and said, why don't we have dinner sometime? I'd like to have dinner with you. And I thought it was really odd because we were not doing things together. We weren't really talking. The only reason we were talking then was because of Teresa's murder. Um, and I said, I, I don't think my husband would really like that, Wayne. Um, but I had told the police. In the meantime, when I had contacted Crime Stoppers, it eventually led me to the lead investigator of the case, Mike Downs. And um, I sent a message to Mike saying that Wayne is wanting to have dinner with me. It's odd. I don't really understand why he's wanting to do that. And he told me, do not go anywhere with him. And I said, okay, I, I won't. And I wasn't planning on it anyway, but he was very firm about it. Um, but it was, I think, less than a week later, Wayne was arrested mm-hmm. for the murder. In the meantime, the police had come to Missouri and taken your statement, correct? They did. It was just um, a few days before they arrested Wayne. Uh, They came here and took my statement, which, again, was uh, released publicly. This is when it takes a big turn because you, in September, you have a family wedding to attend in Florida, nearby, somewhere nearby Naples, wasn't it? It was in Tampa. And in the meantime, I had been uh, sending all of my recollections and anything I could remember to Mike Downs. I was sending him messages, um, just trying to fill in any gaps they may have or uh, just give any information at all that I could possibly remember. And um, But in, I had told him that in September I am going down for family wedding, so um, I may stop by and see Mark during that time. I'm not sure. Um, and he basically wanted to talk to me about that. Um, and he asked if I would consider using a burner phone with Mark. I said, I, I will try. I will try. I, I've never done anything like that before. And he said, well, just think it over and let us know. And that way you could give him that phone number when you see him, uh, when you fly in in September for the wedding. And I said, okay, I'll think about it. And ultimately I decided that I would do that. So we went to the wedding in September in Tampa. And then from there I rented a rental car, drove down to Lee County Sheriff's Department and met with them, uh, which... I then became a confidential informant for the police. May I ask one question? What date was yes. that? When when did you start uh, doing this for the police? Because it went on for a while. What date was this, approximately? Well, that would have been in September 2015. I just don't remember the exact date. And that's fine. So, um, But we're talking uh, off and on, close for four years, and then at times, months and months at a time. So I, I apologize. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to... Make sure oh, that- that's okay. I I communicated with Mark um, nearly every day until his arrest. 
After his arrest, though, I did not communicate with him any longer. Um, What I did do was um, literally our friendship was, in my mind, over when I made the tips to Crime Stoppers. I no longer was his friend. I then was um, a citizen giving information to the police. It was no longer about friendship anymore, but I agreed to act as his friend and to get as much information as I could to give to the police. Uh, there's what I recognized about the whole scenario is that I lived in Missouri and he trusted me. We were friends for over 30 years. He had no idea anyone would be talking to me. Nobody knew me. Mm-hmm. Teresa's family didn't know me. Um, so he really felt safe communicating with me. Um, and so I did drive down to Lee County Sheriff's Department. I met with them, and a part of this whole process, uh, they did wire me. They had a hidden microphone on me. I was very nervous. Um, at this point, I had purchased a burner phone, had the phone number to give to Mark, and I went to the house. The police basically was in the surrounding areas, Uh, around the home in case I needed help. They were in the vicinity that they could access the home very quickly and basically rescue me. Um, So I did get to the house. Uh, I walked in, and there's the girls. The girls were so excited to see me. They hadn't had this one-on-one attention in a while, you could tell, because he really kept them isolated Um, after the murder and they wanted to play with my shoes and they were just so happy that I was there and I literally could not talk to Mark alone and I couldn't tell the girls to go in the other room. I couldn't do it. So I I paid attention to the girls as much as I could and enjoyed a little time with them. I, I brought them some souvenirs and even some candy and Candy was always off limits with the girls, but Mark did allow them to have the candy. I couldn't get that alone time with them. And unbeknownst to me, he had to leave to take them to some lessons. Um, So it was a very short uh, visit, but I was able to get him to take the burner phone number. I used the excuse that, you know, he had told me he thinks the police had his phone bugged. And I said, honestly, I don't like talking with you on that phone, thinking that could, they could be listening in. It makes me very uncomfortable. Would you just call me on this phone? I bought a different phone. I prefer to use this one. And he said he would. Question. Why mm-hmm. did they want you to wear a wire in the house? And what was the purpose of a burner phone? And what is a burner phone? If you could explain that, that would be great. Well, the burner phone is just really one of those numbers or one of those phones that you can register and pay by month. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been different terms used for them. Burner phone is one. Um, but why? Phone. Phone. Right. But why did uh, they want you to? Phone. Why did they want you to have it? What good would it do them? I believe that they wanted to tape the call. So you think they were listening in on the phone calls while you were talking to him on the burner phone? The long story short is he took the number that I gave him, mm-hmm. but he would never want to use the phone. Mm. He must have not liked the idea, and so he got scared. Something made him not want to use that phone. So it didn't work. Ultimately, he kept using his own phone. 
so the plan really didn't work. He he really, um, I don't know if he was just apprehensive or he didn't trust it, so he, he wouldn't do it. But he continued to talk to me daily on his regular cell phone and my regular cell phone. So I just continued to take notes, a lot of notes, a lot of notes. And what developed was this every evening I would talk to him. And what I learned very early on is the most informative calls were the late-night calls because they were after the girls were in bed and he would relax. So I stayed up late every night and took his call. And my husband would go to bed and say, see you tomorrow. And I'd stay up late and I took his calls every night and still got up at 5 a.m. the next day I went to work. And this went on for seven months. That's a long time. You gathered a lot of information in those calls, though, over those months. Yes. uh, There was a a lot of things that stood out to me um, that I learned. Basically, I updated the police on his location. I gave them what he planned to do for life insurance, what he planned to do with it. Um, His trips that he planned, going to Orlando, coming to Missouri... I reported on his mood, his erratic behavior, and I kept a very close monitor on the girls. I did the best I could keeping a close eye on the girls through our conversations because I always worried his behavior became erratic at times, and it concerned me. Mm -hmm. Keeping contact with him wasn't always just about information. It was about making sure the girls were okay. And that's what I did. Over the seven months, did you become more concerned, I should say? Did it escalate the safety of the girls or their well-being, I should say? It it seemed to, there were times where he got very nervous when different evidence was released. And it would make him very nervous. And I, I always worried about it, but I always told the police what he was up to. So they were always aware, as best I could. I did it because it was the right thing to do. And it was an opportunity. It was a really unique opportunity, being that I was so close to him. And he trusted me because if you asked too many questions or if you gave him any pushback, he would cut you off. And I saw him do it. People that had been friends with him in the circle of friends that he had, he cut him out instantly. So I recognized that you just had to let him talk and you had to make him feel like you were on his side. And then you were in, and that's what I did. I know we talked when we pre-interview when you and I chatted, um, and a few things stuck out to me that I, I think um, people that have followed this case will find it extremely interesting. He told you why he had all that money in the safe. I guess that came out during discovery. I don't, I'm not even sure how you found out how much money was in the safe. Well, but. the money came out during discovery, but nobody knew why. He had that amount of money in the safe. Um, So he and I were talking. It was one of our phone calls. And basically, he was saying how he was thankful that the police didn't take the money out of the safe. And he said, I have $42,000 in the safe. And he said, but I kept a really good paper trail, so the police didn't take it. So he was pretty proud of himself for that. But the other thing that he said was, he said, they didn't take my passports either. And I said, do you have passports? He said, oh, yeah. And I asked him, do you have passports on the girls? And he said, yes. 
And I said, then why do you have so much money in the safe? And he said, you never know when you may need to bolt. And he used the word bolt. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Did, that well, there's was not much you money buy. he had put aside to run, basically. And I, I t- I'm sure you relayed that to the police, too. Oh, yes. That, yeah. They they had and, wondered what that money was for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. But um, that's what that was for. One of the other things I learned is that he had wrote Teresa one last love letter. Um, it's something that didn't come out in discovery. Uh, I'm not sure what happened to it. He told me he wrote her a love letter and he slipped it under the visor of the van so that when she landed that night that she would get it. And I said, Mark, I, I don't know if she would have gotten it. It was dark out when she landed. She may not have seen that. And he goes, oh, no, she got it. And I said, are you sure? And he goes, I, I just think she did. I got a feeling. That was another thing. But some of um, the other things that I also learned, um, that to me was almost like a downright confession, uh, but but it wasn't a confession, but it sure seemed like it. And it was when he prayed with the girls. He would pray with them every evening. Uh, this was something they did even when Teresa was alive. They, they prayed together. Um, and he told me, he said, but when I pray, he said, I don't pray for justice because I can't. I just pray that I'll be found free and clear of any wrongdoing. That sounds like a guilty person, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, why would you, why would he say he can't pray for justice? Exactly. I mean, would not be in his best interest. I don't know how you'd listen to all this and I don't know how you did. It's remarkable that you were able to do all this. Just remarkable. And that he was your friend for so long and you were able to, to do this. It was um, downright. It just was heartbreaking. And uh, I had to act like nothing bothered me, and it was very difficult. Um, towards the end, it just got to be where I just could barely stand it anymore. Um, and one of the other things that really stood out to me, too, was that he wasn't really upset that Wayne was arrested for Teresa's murder. Um, In fact, he really supported him, and he wanted to show support to him. Uh, He made that very clear. Um, And so I recognized that, and I thought, I'm going to let him know that I also support him. And so I I told Mark, I said, um, I will always stand by you, no matter what, Mark. And I said, and I also will always stand by Wayne even if he did it. And uh, he replied the most curious response. I love you, Carrie. He didn't turn around and say, what? You would support him even if he killed her? To me, that that was all the proof I needed in my heart and soul. That was it. Well, yeah. You support Wayne and you support me through all of this? I don't know why this never came out in trial. But I think it's extremely telling. Tell tell about Teresa's ashes. Yes, the ashes. I had asked him, you know, what did you ever end up doing with Teresa's cremation? Did you, you know, have a special ceremony? or? And he said, well, that's the thing. I, I haven't picked up her ashes yet. Um, and he never really talked about it. And I was like, wow, that's 
really interesting. He never did pick him up. But when the family pets died um, after Teresa's death, he had like special momentums made, like footprint molds, and um, he had them cremated as well um, and picked up their ashes. But to the day of his arrest, he still hadn't picked up Teresa's ashes. And in fact, I remember feeling infuriated by it that he even bought a workout gym that he drove 700 miles to pick up to bring home so that he could work out and stay in shape. And he he did all that and made trips to Orlando, but he couldn't pick up Teresa's ashes. I thought that was very telling. And so actually the day of his arrest, I um, sent a message after the police had called me and told me, I sent a message back telling them, to please let uh, Teresa's family know because she's still sitting on a shelf somewhere, and that was wrong. God bless her for that. I mean, thank you. So, the day they arrested Mark, I mean, how did uh, have you, the police contact you? How, how did this end? Um, All these phone conversations. So, how did this? End? Yeah, I um, had saw on the news that the police were at the house on Jarvis Road and. I was like, oh, my gosh, what's the police doing there? Is this really it? And But it was so interesting because Mark was planning to come to Missouri to see me. And he was bringing the girls up. It was for the next week. Um, we were going to celebrate his birthday, go to dinner. And, again, it was not really real for me. I was just keeping close tabs on him. Uh, but he was coming to Missouri on February 26th. Uh, 2016, the day of his arrest, he called me that morning and um, basically told me that there's a change in plans and that he won't be coming to Missouri. And I had told the police that he was coming to Missouri, so they were prepared for that. And I couldn't understand why he wasn't coming up. He said, I think I want to just spend time with the girls here, uh, do some things locally, and uh, so we're, we're going to pass on coming up. And I said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but it was later that afternoon that I saw on the news that the police were at his house, and I sent a message to Mike Downs, and I said, is it over? Is is it really over? And he sent me back a message, yes, I will call you. And it was, oh, very short time later, I got a conference call from Mike Downs and Sergeant Lebed thanking me for all the months that I had helped them. And they told me that I I was a significant help and that they really appreciated it and that, you know, basically I can go back to living a normal life. And I really believed that. I, I was I was so um, relieved. And it was finally over. The nightmare was finally over. And to much my surprise, it was quite the opposite. I fell into deep depression after that um, uh, for quite a while. And uh, it took me a while to come out of that. I think because I never truly mourned the loss of my friend and um, it never truly had time to sink in what I'd been through. It was a nightmare and it was daily and it was that whole time. And I, I can't imagine what the family went through because I, I had my own living hell, going through this with Mark, um, but I have no regrets. I mean, God bless your husband, because he literally, I mean, seven months every day. Yeah, he 
tells, you're yeah. talking to Mark every night, and you're doing the right thing, and he knows you're doing the right thing. But seven months is a long time. And um, it was a long time, and and he would say, you know, he couldn't talk to me without me looking past him. He said, "I know you're thinking about the murder. I know you're thinking about Mark. You're, you know, and and I was, and that's all I thought about." It's all I thought about after his arrest, too. And I really thought it would be different, but it wasn't. And finally, um, finally, I believe that I'm going to have closure now. And um, we finally come to the point that we have a conviction. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting my life back together. Carrie, can I uh, um, jump in real quick? I'm sorry, Beach. If you want to go ahead, go ahead. No, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to go to some questions on websites okay. that the poster said asked when you get through. Go ahead. Okay, great. Um, do you think Mark figured out sometime before he was arrested that you were talking with the police? No. No, I don't believe he did. He He got suspicious of me towards the end. Whenever he was coming to Missouri, I wanted to know the specific dates. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know why I needed specific dates. He didn't like that. That bugged him. Um, and that bugged him. Um, so he didn't have, there was a strange call with him. Um, he told me he would let me know when he's coming. And then I received a call one day and he said, hey, it's Mark. How are you? And I said, oh, good. How are you? And he goes, fine. I got a surprise for you. And I said, oh, really? What's that? And he says, go look out your front window. I'm standing in your front yard. <gasps> oh, that's creepy. That really oh, creeps me out. Yeah. And I go, what? What? And my reaction wasn't a pleasant one. And he got that reaction. I think it told him something. So I did tell the police that yeah. I might have to stop because I thought he might be on to me. And he was definitely looking to see how I would react to that. And I definitely reacted. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. That did My happen. Goodness. And I don't know, maybe you can't even talk about it, but why did the police wire you that one day with the audio and the video recording? Was there a specific reason that you were going in there to see Mark and uh, physically and the police were there and everything? Was there a reason for that? The police never told me or gave me direction to do anything. It was really up to me whatever I wanted to talk to him about or ask him about. They were very clear that they never gave me direction. Mm-hmm. But they did tape me, and they never told me, or they did wire me, and um, but they never told me exactly why they were doing that. Okay. I thought they wanted to pick up our conversation. If things went well, maybe I would ask things, but they never told me to, to ask anything. They were very clear they never gave me that direction, and I don't know if that's a legal reason, but they never did that. So I never really knew what they were hoping for, mm-hmm. um, and I would have talked to him more extensively had it not been for the girls. For the girls, Because right. they wanted to be by my side every minute, and I could not tell them to go in the other room. I couldn't do it. Right. They 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 were just basically starving for my attention. I couldn't do it. Very so. very sad. And what date was this? I, I mean, did the what, best I could. When did this happen? What was the the date of this? So I can get it in order. This was back in September of 2015. Okay. I don't have the exact. No, that's date. fine. That's fine. Um, just it's been going on for so long for you. I mean, my gosh, think about it. That's four years. 
and more, more than four years. I can't even believe it. It must must be such a relief, although I imagine you're still going through things emotionally as well. How do you think you'll feel when the judge says, and we're almost positive he will, Mark Seavers, we sentence you to death? That's a great question because um, when I watched the recommendation of the verdict to be death, I really didn't know how I would react. I really got very emotional. Um, I don't feel like anybody was celebrating over it. I don't feel like anybody is truly happy about it. I'm not happy inside, but I feel grateful because I believe that it's justice. And, and he's, he, he did this. He made this happen. He's the orchestrator, and he's the one that got everyone else involved. Um, I, I believe that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I know it in my gut. And it's because I talked to him so much, and it's because I got so close that I know those things. And um, it's the right verdict. Absolutely. But it'll never bring Teresa back. It no. will not bring her back. Beach, you have some questions from Web Sleuths, our Web Sleuths members who have been following and discussing and dissecting this case since 2015. <laughs> uh, why don't you go ahead and yeah. take that? Well, one of the, one of the one, let's see, let's start here, um, from Nan, who followed this case for a really long time. At what point in your heart did you realize Mark was connected to Teresa's murder? I think when I started believing beyond, beyond a shadow that it, he's definitely involved was when Wayne's door was broken down. I was suspicious of some things, but put it out of my mind. Um, but whenever Wayne's door was broken down and the police had come, I knew that he had to be involved in some way. I I just knew it. Yeah. So that would have been about second. 10, 15 days after uh, Teresa's murder, something like that. Yeah. Mid-July, I believe. Of 2015. Okay. Yeah, I don't have the mm-hmm. date on hand. But I, I know when they arrested him, but I don't have the date on hand that they did the raid on his house right now. Right. But yeah, right. it wasn't too long. A couple of weeks after, I think. It wasn't. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Her second question, in your opinion, why did Mark have Teresa killed? Do you think there might have been other or additional reasons besides the fear of losing the kids during a possible divorce? I know a lot of people have... They're having trouble reconciling Mark, putting this in motion, and having Teresa bludgeoned and murdered so violently. They're having trouble reconciling the fact that he would do this just to have custody of his children. And so, But I know you know him well, and help us understand. What I can tell you about Mark is that um, I felt like in his life he never fully achieved what he wanted to be. And when he met Teresa and had the children, I started noticing that he started living through their identity. He started becoming, his life was more about their life, and their life was his life. And I, if you were close to Mark, you could see that. It, it was all he talked about with those girls. That's all he talked about, um, and Teresa. And as the girls were growing and getting older, you could see that he was actually becoming more obsessive about them um, and more controlling. And so the thought that I had was when somebody is that controlling and obsessive, for them to lose 
those children, for him to lose the girls would devastate his life. And not only that, but to lose Teresa and then lose his job, he would lose his identity. He would lose literally everything. And I felt like it had to be losing those girls. He, he was so close to them. He did the stay-at-home mom role. You know, I thought in my gut, and I still feel this way, she was most likely going to leave him and take the girls. And he felt like he couldn't fight her in court. He couldn't beat her with money and that he would just lose everything. That was pretty much what Wayne testified to, I believe, in Jimmy's trial as well. And and Um, I have to agree with that. I really do, because if you knew Mark, the girls were as well. I think money definitely was like secondary. It would be more of a bonus than anything to him. But Mm -hmm. the girls were everything to him. You know, like it or not, that's when you knew him as well as I did. I can stand here and say that without Okay, this, this question, the next question is from um, Scalex. And this is it. There were many comments about Mark's behavior and mannerisms in court. Knowing him personally, did you find him to be acting unusual in court? And I think there was a, a lot of talk about that, that you know, his uh, incessant fidgeting, the fact that he seemed lighthearted a lot of times and joking around and then, and then he would appear to be crying, but there were no tears. And Anyway, what was your impression when you watched the trial? Mark has always been an antsy person. So he is a person that can't sit still for anything. Um, he is definitely um, someone that uses hand gestures when he talks all the time. The hands are always going. Uh, he nods his head a lot, like yes, or he shakes it to the side and kind of nods on the side. He's always moving about like that. So that is very much Mark. The only thing that when I looked at him that I saw that wasn't something he typically would do is writing consistently for hours upon hours. That's not him. So that's definitely something that he either thought he had to do or was told to do. Uh, Instantly, that's not his behavior. Uh, The other thing is the emotions were phony. They were were not real. One time, one time, it looked to me like he was starting to break down crying, and then it stopped. Uh, but majority of all that, it wasn't real. Do you remember what time that was? Do you remember what? Uh, I actually think it was when he came back for um, the sentencing. He was oh, standing up. I thought, yeah, I thought his tears seemed real at the, well, you mean the sentencing. Yeah, I was talking about the guilty verdict. I thought that was. The one um, genuine the emotion. Verdict, he definitely had, you know, he definitely breathed in deeply, but I never saw him really cry. Not real. He definitely was taken back by the guilty verdict. I could tell that. But when I saw him in the, um, the sentencing portion, he actually, I felt like, was consoling his attorney. Um, mm-hmm. He seemed the penalty almost... Phase, yeah. Yes, the penalty phase. He he almost seemed at peace with it, and that that was different. Um, but all of the fake crying through the trial, when you know Teresa's family would talk, it was I just felt like it was a slap in the face. I, I'm sorry, it okay. just no. it wasn't real. And um, you know his family, 
spoke and you didn't see any tears. It was just really bizarre. But I will um, say, and I and I wanted to say about the whole case, is that I feel like the state did an amazing job. They did a very focused and concise way of presenting the evidence. And actually, the prosecution and the defense really amazed me because they were they kept it classy. They kept mm-hmm. it classy, and there was no mudslinging. It was done well. I feel like they, actually both sides should be proud of themselves because I thought it was well done. It surprised me. I really thought there would be, you know, it would be more of a circus, and it wasn't. What were your feelings? Uh, I know you watched Jimmy's trial. What were your feelings about Jimmy being brought into this, about watching his trial? How, how do you feel about his any all the verdicts, for that matter, about Wayne's plea deal, all of it? I will say that for Wayne getting 25 years, I, I feel like he got the sweetest deal in the world um, because I really feel he deserves more. Um, as far as Jimmy, let's face it, Jimmy was the weakest vessel amongst those three men. He's the weakest one. He also is the youngest one. I mean, he is considerably younger than Mark and Wayne. And yeah. I feel that he could be manipulated um, mm-hmm. a little easier. But the bottom line, he did attempt to throw away evidence as a cover-up, which shows guilt. And that is the bottom line. But ultimately, I feel like he was the weaker vessel. He likely was more manipulated and possibly even made to be the fall guy. And that's my personal opinion. I don't know all the facts to the case, but that is, that's my feeling about Jimmy. I still feel he got the proper sentencing, but I feel like, you know, these guys were considerably older. He might have been in his early 20s when this happened. I found it unusual that he brought his cell phone with him and that he plugged it up to a GPS. And, you know, it just it seemed very mm-hmm. odd to me. That, that's my opinion. Well, it, what, it didn't appear to me, this is me talking, Wayne tried to protect him from being found out anyway. I mean, Wayne didn't bring his cell phone. Wayne didn't put any phone and hook it up to the GPS where he could be tracked. You know, I don't know. I've got, right. I mean, it's like you said, he, he went on the trip. He took the coveralls. He took the duct tape, as Judge Kyle said. He participated to whatever extent. And, and so, what he did afterwards is really telling. Yeah. And that he had it thrown out and he, he destroyed his cell phone. You know, what are you hiding? Correct. correct. So that's, that's correct. You don't hide things line. unless you know. Yeah, he exactly. knew there was a reason to, to destroy that evidence. That's, so he, he knew. You know, I totally Absolutely. agree. Um, I want to ask, and I'm not sure how to go about it, because, you know, without the Boland case, Ronnie Boland, the reason I'm going to ask about it is because probably my biggest question that I have hanging over, or one of them, they change, is I don't know how, I don't care how good a friend you are for how long, I can't fathom what made Mark feel like he comfortable enough to go to his friend and ask for help having his wife murdered without having some reason to believe Wayne was capable of it or wouldn't be upset by that. What is your feeling on it at all? I mean, well, what makes that's you think exactly Mark right. would feel? You, I agree. That is, that's alarming. I mean, what would make him feel comfortable? But what I know and what I actually submitted as a tip to Crime Stoppers is that once I figured that Mark was definitely involved in this uh, along with Wayne, 
I remembered Mark telling me that Wayne was suspected in a missing persons case here in Missouri. And it was, in fact, the Ronnie Boland case. I had not heard of this case. Um, and this was years back. Mark had told me that the police suspected Wayne and that Wayne was actually the last person seen with Ronnie Bolin when Ronnie turned up missing. And to this date, Ronnie has not been found. And I, when I was talking to Mark back then, when he told me about this, because this was not on the news, they did not say that Wayne was a suspect, but Mark was telling, this, telling me this directly. I had asked him, well, do you think it's possible Wayne's involved with this? And Mark's response to me was, if I told you that, I'd have to kill you. And then he laughed. <laughs> and I just thought he was being silly. So that was years would ago, I, before any would of I years, bet yeah. he has information? I think it's a strong possibility. For him to even know about it means Wayne yeah. told him. And he told me Wayne told him about it. So I don't know well, what... I pray that family gets answers because that's been Me a too. long time. The family's been waiting. Ladies, we're almost out of time. And so, Beach, are there any more questions from Webster's members that we want to get to? I think she's answered. So there's several questions, but she's already answered a oh, few okay. of them. Um, and when she was telling her story, two real quick ones, I think. One of them, after the verdict for Mark, a reporter talked to Teresa's sister, and she said that Mark was a sociopath. Did you, did you see any sociopathic traits evolving through the years in Mark? I can't really speak to that because I don't know exactly what she's referring to. I know that he changed over time. He was really a happy-go-lucky guy in his younger years, and he was he was fun. He was outspoken, but he came across definitely off-putting to some people. Some people thought he was just a downright jerk right away. Um, and over time, what I noticed is what I talked about earlier is his behavior with the girls seemed to become more obsessive and he seemed to live his identity through them and everything became about them. And I felt like if the girls are successful, if Teresa is successful, then he's successful. Um, so those are the only things I can really speak to about that. The last question really is quick, I think, has to do, without reading the whole question, because it has to do with the fact that Wayne had a traumatic brain injury or claims to have one, and Mark also did too. And the, it, the question, are you aware of what injury could have been caused or how two best friends might end up with identical brain impairments? Um, actually, he had slipped and fallen on the job. Um, it was back Mark. when he was working. Uh, Mark did. Um, he was working, I believe, at the casino um, back here in Missouri, and he had slipped and fallen and hit his head. And that's when that happened. Um, and he had memory issues um, that he talked about through the years after that. Yeah. Um, and then Wayne's was totally separate from that. Well, he did have I'm really done. I'm really done here with the Webster's cash questions. I would like to know how you're feeling. I mean, I know you've still got some healing to do, but the verdicts have been rendered, well, all three, you know, on all three, basically, without Mark's sentencing being finalized. How do you feel? That is a good question. Um, when he was arrested, I really thought things were going to be better, and I... I went through that down spell where I fell into depression. 
um, pretty heavily. Um, once I came out of that, I took action. I decided uh, I was going to attend our Sheriff's Citizens Academy here in Jefferson County. I was very interested in what our police do here in the area and uh, went through the academy and graduated from there. And uh, I'm hoping to volunteer my time at some point to turn this tragedy into something where I can volunteer my time to help in some way for the police eventually when I retire from my work in a couple of years. Um, and what I've learned out of all of this is how important it is for citizens to pay attention and to not, even though they're afraid if they learn something from a crime or they may know something about a cold crime, it's normal to be afraid, but to know that they can come forward and they can contact Crime Stoppers and remain anonymous. It's it's people feeling that what they have and know may not mean anything, so they play it off and push it aside, but you never know what the police may really need that could help them solve a case. And I just want to encourage people that you may have information that could be valuable and you just don't know. And so even though you're afraid, coming forward and doing the right thing gives you peace in your heart and you sleep better at night because I know I do. And now that this is over, we have a verdict, we're having our sentencing, I want to get my life back together. (laughs) I want to move on and I don't want to think about this every day. I'm ready to move on. And I just want to say to all the web sleuthers out there that, you know, you stayed steadfast and you had lots of good ideas. And I read it through the years and I was really proud that everybody kind of stuck together and all for the same cause. We all want justice. And that's what's most important. Carrie Kane, that is a beautiful way to end up this very long and detailed interview. And it was fascinating every single second of it. I'm sure people are going to be listening to it for many, many years to come. And Beach, I want to ask you, how are you feeling now that this uh, case is pretty much over? You've been at it for over four years, and it's been very intense uh, many times on Websleuths. How are you feeling about things? I'm feeling excellent about the verdicts themselves, and I feel like justice has been served for Teresa's family, who have waited so long And it was hard because, you know, the last time I put this much energy and threw myself into a case was the Casey Anthony case. And I don't, I felt just the opposite when that verdict was rendered. And I didn't Mm. know if I would ever put my soul on the line again. And I was very nervous in in both of the trials, both of them, very nervous. I wanted to hear the verdict. I just wanted a guilty verdict. I'm very relieved, you know, very relieved. And uh, I'm proud of this forum that we've had for four years. It's run like a well-oiled machine. The people in here, like Carrie said, they've all been steadfast. And um, we've had so many insiders in this case and patients and friends and family members. And I just, you know, one of the things that I know Carrie can agree is Teresa was murdered and Mark's family has suffered. Teresa's family has suffered. But this was so far-reaching and how many people's lives have been affected Carrie's life. I mean, she hasn't been able to talk about any of this to anyone for four years. You keep this in, I mean, her husband, but I mean, my goodness, you know, how long, how much can he be expected to take for four years? 
it's the same with the, I, I listened to the, um, the victim impact statements and Jimmy Rogers' brother, I was sitting here bawling my eyes out. Mm-hmm. Me too. Listening to him. That's all it told me. And I looked, frankly, at uh, Mark's attorney and his wife, who I believe is his paralegal that's worked tirelessly on their defense of Mark. I know people. I'm a paralegal, so I see it a little different than a lot of people do. I get a lot of people look at them as the enemy. I look at them as they're doing their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put a lot of work and blood, sweat, and tears, believe me, in late night um, defending him. And to the yes. best of their ability, which he's entitled to, according to the Constitution, I'm glad we got the verdict we got. Take no joy when I look at that side of the courtroom and Mark's brother and his mother and his stepmother and his, God bless his stepsister who had cancer. I mean, there's a lot of people that have suffered. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Um, it's, it's just a lot of collateral fallout, and it's very sad. Yes. You know? Absolutely. And Carrie, you wanted to say something about Beach. Why don't you go ahead? Yes, I I especially want to thank Carol uh, for doing this interview with me. Uh, It's the people that stood by me through all of this uh, that I will never forget. And Carol is one of those people. Thank you, Carol. Thank you both, Carrie Kane and Beach. It has been a pleasure.